everybody. Thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. On this podcast, I have a guest each episode, and they come armed with five pieces of music. It can be a song, it can be an EP, it can be an LP. does not matter what it is as long as we're talking about music. It just serves as a jumping off point to a greater, broader conversation about music. Uh, this episode's a bit different. My guest today, today, my guest on this episode is uh, Mark Smith, uh, sometimes known as Marky Moon. Uh, is his uh i guess what do they call it stage name uh, his rock star name his nom de plume uh mark is a really really old friend i've known mark for 30 plus years and uh actually without mark i would not have this podcast uh he's he was instrumental in helping me get it started and uh, getting me set up with a server and all sorts of great stuff he's a good guy i've always enjoyed talking to him and We've actually tried to record an episode several times really early on when I was uh, getting my sea legs. And we always ended up having to abort them. And so uh, I had I had some scheduling conflicts and was trying to get another episode recorded. So I called him up and said, hey, let's do that episode finally. And uh, so we did it. We sat down. It was a really, really fun conversation. Um, a lot of storytelling in this one. Uh, he didn't really have a list of five because everything was so last minute, but uh, there are songs he picked. Uh, I have a uh, playlist he came up with, uh, you know, a couple days after we were done recording. I'll attach it in the show notes. And those are some songs he really likes. Some of those songs are going to appear in the episode as well as a couple uh, songs of my choosing as well. Um, it's it's just a fun conversation. Uh, Mark's you know he's an old head he's been around for a while been playing in bands since 1986 and again he's a great guy uh and i always love talking with him and his uh i have to mention his uh sweet wonderful wife andy uh who you know is uh, across the pond as uh those corny motherfuckers like to say um not the people across the pond but the corny motherfuckers here in this uh increasingly uh shitty uh place that we live in Uh, i won't go too much into that anyway uh check it out this is a really fun conversation and uh i love mark to death is that from silent running your background yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) i haven't seen that movie in years me either i need to hunt it down i'm not sure if it's on uh like amazon or something yeah um so how's your father's day i mowed grass so (laughs) i didn't do shit i posted i posted an episode today well that's not true i cleaned cleaned the house posted an episode and uh listened to records while i was cleaning pretty much that's what i did today uh everybody's out of town well, the girl, the girls are at grandma's, but Laura and Brent are in Atlanta. So, oh yeah, I saw they were on a road trip there. Yeah, yeah, they're down there uh, doing uh, doing the touristy thing before Brent starts work on Monday. So, oh, okay, you know. Uh, speaking of work, that's where we first met, right? Was it work? Yeah, at uh, at Higby's. Higby's was it Higby's or was it Dillard's by then? 
Oh yeah, it might have been it might have been Dillard's at that point because I had worked there previously when it was still Higby's. Were you on the dock then too, or no? Yeah. Um, then uh, Rich Smith, the guy I, I was in a band with, uh, I was in a band called Final Solution. He was my manager. He was like the housekeeping and dock manager. When did he? Re- when did Gary replace him? Well, Gary worked there under him. And then I forget, I don't remember the exact like years and stuff, but when, when Rich left, Gary took over. Gotcha. So that must've been, it was either 91 or 92 when I started working here. So I was like 18 or 19, we met. So we've known each other for like 30 some odd years. I know we're old. (laughs) Um, And I think Gary's downfall at that place was he hired all of our miscreant friends. Like I got Joe from my band to start working there and uh, right. uh, Greg and Mike Munson. I don't know if you were there when Munson was there, but Eric, Eric no. started there and uh, we were probably like, we were the best, the best shipping dot crew you could want because we got all of our shit done fast right, and, and correctly. But we were also the worst shipping dock crew imaginable <laughs> because they had they had us just for people listening they had us unloading the trucks as well as like doing all the housekeeping at the same yeah. time and there wasn't a day that went by that we weren't after getting the trucks unloaded and cleaning up that we weren't fucking up the store somehow um one of my favorite stories was <clears throat> i don't know if you're there uh greg and those guys i think it was greg and joe you might have even been a part of this i don't remember decided that they were gonna like you know like instead of laser tag they're like running around the store before the store opened squirting each other with like water bottles but it was like filled with like cleaning agents that contain bleach and they're like ruining fucking garments all over the place you know no Uh, i was (laughs) <laughs> I was gone by then. Yeah, because and there's just like in particularly in uh the section they called juniors at the time, there's fucking bleach marks all over all these fucking sundresses and just <laughs> completely ruined everything. And like it was pretty insane the shit we used to get away with. I remember um, when you you broke that ten foot long glass counter with the uh, <laughs> the floor scrubber. <laughs> it got away from me i had never used one before and i'm like what the fuck man and yeah those things are evil they're all named like matador and tornado and you know fucking cyclone Run, Polly, trying to hit and 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 run,
before I started there, Gary had had some kind of nervous breakdown. And so he, his nerves were completely fucking shot. And <laughs> we would hi, like up in uh, women's shoes, there was the, the women's bathroom and the bathroom. I don't know if this was true for every women's bathroom in department stores, but they had a lounge, which I thought I was strange. And like, they've got a fucking lounge here. I know. And we were like, all, we were all hiding out up there and Gary came up the one day. He's like, Hey, are, are you guys going to do some work today? Like, and we were like the whole crew was hanging out up in there hiding oh, from God. Gary. And he found us there.
I remember when he'd get stressed, he'd always just kind of go, oh. <laughs> it was just like this very faint, quiet, oh. He, he, would, have, he would have a nervous, like, uh, like I, I really, really liked Gary a lot. And I feel yeah. terrible making fun of him. But, yeah. you know, it wasn't anything we didn't do in front of him. He would like laugh, but he'd like, oh, you guys, you know, because he knew we were just, it was all in jest. And, yeah, you know, he was a, he, yeah, he was a good guy. He was one of us, you know, but he was unfortunately our boss. So yeah. we wreaked havoc on it. Just, I mean, just stuff would come up missing. Well, I remember that. That's all I'm going to say. Stuff would come up missing. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're past the statute of limitations, but. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that. Martins would end up missing, uh, you know, shit like that. Well, do you, you were there when uh, there was that guy that dressed like Michael Jackson, who had unlocked the doors for his friends to, to come in and steal like, they had like armloads of jeans and stuff. And I just had, oh. I had, I had gone to the bathroom or something. I had to leave. Like we were, had just Wait, finished he unloading he the trucks. Did he work on the dock or did he work? He strictly did housekeeping. Okay. So, so while we were unloading the truck, he had unlocked like whichever door didn't have the security guy and uh, yeah, had let his friends in. And for whatever reason, I had had to cut through the store for something. And there's this guy with like an armload of jeans and he just froze. So I grabbed him and and took him to Gary and, and Gary went, oh, <laughs> but but then a couple hours later, they figured out that, you know, the, the other guy had let him in. So. Yeah. Um, what was it? What was the name of the guy who sat up front? Uh, letting all the employees in the security desk guy that, that uh, he was old, a dick yeah w- I walt was his name walt i don't remember i didn't <laughs> didn't like that guy <laughs> well he was he was a bit of a racist you know? yeah and so there was one time i was uh you know I, we finished unloading the truck and i'm upstairs you know uh getting all the trash you know and i said to joe i said hey watch this so I called the front desk from one of the phones and as a touchtone phone, you couldn't tell where the call was coming from. He just had this right. bullshit eighties touchtone phone and, and you know, it's 91, 92. So of course they still had an old eighties phone. Yeah. And <laughs> you go Dillard's Dillard's security. And I'd be like, Hey, Walt, what are you wearing? <laughs> nice. What, what do you what, what do you say you and I get together later on? We fuck really, really hard. And dude would just hang up, call him again. And just like this went on for like half hour, just kept calling him. And he had he to pick up. He had to pick up. I was going to say he kept answering though. Well, he had to answer. He could not answer. No!
we'll we'll get to the coup de grace story towards the end here but oh no <laughs> <laughs> were you still doing uh okay so yeah at the point when when we were working together i was already that was a couple years later so i was in zen love assassins that's it yeah because you guys yeah. had fear of a fear of a flat planet we were fear of a- <laughs> yeah we were hoping we'd get sued by a public enemy because uh you know we figured we'd get some good press out of it of course they didn't care nobody no. cared I, I did get the uh, 
the worst review of anything I've ever done on that one. They like, uh, what was it? Where was it from scene or something? No alternative press for a while. They had like these guest reviewers on and, uh, the month that they did our review, they had like some hardcore kid from, uh, like maximum maximum rock and roll or something so he fucking hated everything but my address at the time was 1209 and a half south willow in kent Mm -hmm. and uh he said the only thing he liked about the tape was the address (laughs) it's just like oh that's fucking brutal (laughs) but it made me laugh (laughs) but at that point how long have you been playing drums and bands um well, I started playing, I mean, I always played in school and orchestra and marching band and stuff in college, um, but like playing in shitty punk rock bars, probably since I think Final Solution was like 86 or 87. Yeah. And then I spent like a year playing for a band called Cathedral 45. Um, like, Were they was death like one, rock? Was it death no, rock? No, it was more gothy um kind of cramps influenced you know um they uh yeah that was one of those deals where it's like can can you fill in for a show and then like a year later you're still you know still filling in (laughs) well you that's never happened to me because i just yell but i could see how as a drummer it'd be like well you know yeah um, there's always a drummer shortage there is right now i mean well yeah, I mean that goes without saying. There's never. That's why most drummers you know are like four or five bands. Yeah. You know? Well, I just I just upgraded to two. So, but this you're is the in, year because you're doing t- uh, Tufted Puffins and Dutch Babies, right? Right. Yeah. Like I've so I've known Jeff uh, Hardy from Dutch Babies forever. Um, you know, I probably met him in '86 or '87, and uh, we we briefly we were sort of in the professional againsters at the same time like he came in when we were recording we recorded an album that never got put out like it got mastered and everything but it's still sitting on a hard drive somewhere he wasn't on the one that he wasn't on the the uh the first one that was like when dan halen was still in the band Uh and and jim millar from mistletoe and pete gotcha Uh, so um yeah that one was uh a few notes on Darwin. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> when Jeff joined professional Againsters, we, we had started recording or we were about to start recording. So I only really got to play with him, like in the same room for like three practices. And then the way we recorded was everybody was separately done, you know, and we were doing it, you know, just at, uh, at, a john lee's house mm-hmm. so um it took forever for us to like do this album and it just kind of killed the the Wait, band's was, momentum was john in the band no yes or did yeah just john, record? yeah john lee was the bass player shubes was playing guitar uh-huh. and, and singing at that point because dan had left um and ron mullins was playing keyboards and like Jim Millar was no longer in the band. You know, it took us like, I don't know if it took a year. It seemed like it took a year, you know, because yeah. because it was just like whenever somebody had time to record, they would go over and do their 
stuff. And I mean, I think we did like 14 songs. It's, it sounds good. I have to hassle John, see if he'll put it out sometime. So you've been playing since 86. What was your first concert that you ever went to? <laughs> All right, get ready to mock me. But it, it was Rush. Oh, that's right. We talked about your love of Rush in the yeah. past. Yeah. You, are, you still, are you still a huge Rush fan? I don't listen to it very often. Like every once in a while, I'll, I'll break something out. But, um, and I, I still appreciate it. I just don't, uh, just don't play it that much anymore. Was, was this the Richfield Coliseum? What album was it? Were they touring on? They, it was Signals. Uh-huh. I, think, I think they called it the, the New, World, New World Tour. And I think Gary Moore opened and it was so was it the coliseum then richfield yeah yeah jesus god that place and i was like you know we had i went with one of my friends from high school because i think we were like juniors and i mean we were way up in the like three or four rows from the back you know Mm -hmm. it was just horrible seats but we got to see rush you know so yeah (laughs) do you have a do you have a favorite rush song um yeah working man
Rush, but didn't they have a different guitar player when they did that record? They had a different drummer, but I like the the live one. Um, what is it? All the world's a stage. So that oh, was okay. what. But yeah, their very first album, they had a different drummer whose name I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, of course, his his name's probably forgotten to the sands of time, given the fact of whose replacement was. Yeah, right? he's, I mean, he's the Pete Best of prog rock. So. <laughs> he's hate hating life right now. What was your uh, What was your first punk show? Ooh, um, local or otherwise. Honestly, I have no idea. See, the first time I went to JB's was an accident because I had been out in Kent. Well, one, so like when I was in high school, I had no idea there was like a local music scene at all. Yeah. Like, you know, punk bands. Me either. So, I mean, not, not till late high school, but yeah. yeah. So, you know, like I was living in, going to Kent State and we were out, you know, on Water Street. And there used to be like tons and tons of people would be out on the street and somewhere, you know, I lost them. I thought, well, maybe they went, went into this bar. Cause I'm like trying to find these guys. And I went down there and I was like, well, what the hell is this? <laughs> so that, but that was like the first time. And then I didn't, didn't go back for a while until actually, I think till I went, cause the next year I went to uh, Akron U and ran into some people played in bands that's when i ran in or met rich and and um you know started joined uh, final solution and um so there was like a crew of people at akron U that would you know go to all the different shows and i started hanging out with those guys do you remember who it was that was playing at jb's when you walked in there on accident or no no I, it was just like it was just like a completely alien thing. It was like, I had no idea there was anything like that going on here. JB's figured pretty large in like punk and hardcore circles throughout the eighties. Do you remember, do you have a favorite show from there? See, by the time I started going, like there'd been a, an era, like when Johnny Teagle was booking shows there and they, they'd get all sorts. That was when all the, like the famous bands. Is that, there. um, and now Johnny Teagle is Johnny Walker and the Clampets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Go ahead. And uh, so he was the one that was, you know, getting all these bands that everyone talked about later. I can't think of anybody real huge that came through. The bands mm -hmm. I would like, I loved like Death of Samantha. I loved The Mice. Um, you know, these were like local, you know, Cleveland bands that would come down. Um, Manic and Odd was pretty much the house band down there for a while. Yeah. High Plains Drifters. They they kind of adopt, you know, the Drifters kind of adopted Final Solution as like their little brother band, I think, you know. Who was all in the Drifters? Um, so that's like Cherry Ramon, Todd Carper, Johnny Dredd played guitar. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm blanking on the drummer's name. Shit. <laughs> Why do I keep thinking that one of the Bassones was in High Plains Drifters? That's not right, though, is it? No, no. Danny at one point was in uh, the Clampets, and then Bob was also in the Clampets. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob Bassone. Yeah, Bob's like, uh, he's one of my favorite bass players. I love watching him play. He's like, oh, yeah. He's so effortlessly great. 
at that instrument, <laughs> like it's kind of it's kind of sickening. And and he yeah. hates it when I gush over his playing when I see him. So I make yeah. a point to do it because one, I mean it. I'm very earnest when I mean to say it. Plus, I like making him a little bit uncomfortable, and I kind of like annoying him a little bit, <laughs> you know? which is rare for you to to be annoying. Well, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I had it coming. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, those guys, it, it wasn't effortless effortless because those guys knew a million songs. When I lived at the clubhouse, um there was this room down in the basement. There was like no, this, was the clubhouse in Akron or was it in Kent? It was, I guess technically it's Cuyahoga Falls. It was on Cuyahoga Falls Avenue, like North North Hill. Okay, um, well that's that's North Hill still. That's still yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. But um, so like a million bands played there throughout the years. You know, like uh, F models practiced there, and um, but at one point, and I assume these records belong to Bob, but um, at the end of that house's run, I helped Steve McKee clean it out, and down in the basement was this room that had always been piled behind a bunch of other stuff. There was like this big sketchy sliding door on it, you know, like a barn door. Yeah. And as we cleaned this place out, he slid this door open and it's like a 30 foot deep, I don't know, like a a cold storage room. It was just Mm -hmm. like this big straight shot for, for storing stuff. And the whole length of this room had stacks of milk crates of 45 records all you know like all rockabilly stuff and mm-hmm. so i assume that was probably <laughs> bob's collection because steve had no idea who it belonged to you know oh wow yeah i mean it sounds right i don't know if bob is a record collector but i know he's pretty steeped in all kinds of music including like soul and rockabilly and you know yeah um, but yeah, he's, he's, and, and you know, on top of that, he's just a great dude. He and Danny are both, I don't know Dave as well. I've only met Dave a handful of times, but I, I yeah. know Bob and Danny both quite a bit. <laughs> hey, speaking of Akron Luminaries, have you been watching that Pistols uh, show on Hulu? No, during the, uh, I got rid of, like I kept cable internet, but I got rid of all of the uh, streaming stuff, t- all the TV channels. Cause mm-hmm. uh, like the, the lead up to the election was driving me fucking nuts and I hated everybody and I was just tired of it. And I got rid of, uh, <laughs> I got rid of TV in general yeah. to uh, just to keep from going insane. I do still have Netflix and uh, I have Amazon prime, but I rarely watch anything on there. I um, guess, I guess in that pistols, show i haven't seen it yet but a lot of people have been telling me about it like there are a lot of people who are up in arms about uh chrissy hind playing a huge role in the series i guess it's supposed to be based on steve jones's uh, autobiography right and from what people are telling me she doesn't play a huge factor in the book other than you know she was there you know the, the ground floor and stuff and yeah. um had some flings with steve jones but i guess in the show that they've uh they've uh inflated it to to a much larger uh thing right the story of the pistols which i 
I can't bring myself to watching it because, you know, unpopular opinion time. I fucking hate the Sex Pistols. I really you- can't. I cannot stand them. <laughs> you I mean, hate everything. No, I don't hate. I that's fucking patently hate, false, Marcus. You, you hate. <laughs> you hate. You hate the Clash, right? You hate the Clash. Well, let me let me put this one. <laughs> Hold on, listen. It's that's me at my most vitriolic and and strong opinion base. I dislike the Clash greatly. Yeah, I dislike the Sex Pistols greatly. Sex right. Pistols have one song I really, really enjoy. Um, and The Clash has two songs that I really like. But <laughs> I think the thing that bothers me the most is that those bands have gotten like, they get like the lion's share of the credit, not only for like inspiring a bunch of bands, which is undeniable, undeniable how many, uh, the impact those bands have had on the right. music at large. But there's like a sort of, there's like a sort of shorthand when you say, Oh, the beginning of punk rock, people automatically gravitate towards those two bands. And I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. You know, but I mean, that's, I mean, the title track from London calling is fucking great song. Uh, train in vain is a fucking amazing song. I love that song. And, uh, as far as pistols go, I like the song pretty vacant. And I, I actually like Steve Jones guitar playing, but I just, that band just seems like a goddamn fucking cartoon to me. Like it's so like, and also the context is I heard black flag before the sex whistles. I heard minor threat before the sex whistles. So they seemed, I'm expecting this ferocious thing, right. but I didn't, I didn't have the right context. Cause this is like, you know, uh, four, these bands were four or five years after. So right. the pistol seemed tame, you know, what was it? Uh, Rollins said one time. He said the pistols are more cute than anything. In fact, if Leiden was here, or my here in this room, I'd pet him like he was my fucking lap dog. <laughs> Who said that? Rollins. Rollins, Rollins did, and, and I I bring that up because I know you hate. I you have a huge hate on for Henry Rollins. <laughs> it, I just you know, he's such a fan of himself. There's no room for me to be a fan of him. So. Oh, he totally loves the smell of his own farts. That's not, that's <laughs> undeniable. Right. Undeniable. But so. who's the one night you said, we were talking about this and I was goading you into, <laughs> I was goading you into uh, getting outraged about, about Rollins and Danzig. And- well, for a while, like I would, do, I would do like a yearly post challenging both of them to a, a fight at the same time. They've never <laughs> responded. So fuck those guys. Yeah. I, I've seen both of them, you know. I like yeah. their bands, but I'd still kick their asses. So. Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's funny because to me, it's like, and I say this being a fan of a lot of Rollins' work, not all of it, but a lot of it. Yeah. You know, he had the good fortune of being on the best Black Flag LP. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> like that that record was already going to happen one way or the other. In fact, uh, my DJ partner, Matt Feeney, there's a bootleg out right now of Damaged yeah. with Dez singing all the vocals. Well, you'll probably get sued by Gin for listening to it. So oh, I, fuck. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Fuck that guy. Fuck I'd him be, too. My lawyer has said not to comment any further. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it, I, I like his stuff. I actually like, honestly, as far as Rollins stuff goes, other than damaged, I think I 
I think I'm at the point in my life, at least right now, where I like the early Rollins band stuff better than I do his stuff with Black Flag. Yeah. Like Lifetime and Hard Volume and uh, are really great records, you know? Um, and then he got famous, you know? Yeah. So. I've got a weakness I've got a thoughtless mind I've got a needless want I can't unwind I've got a Oh
was a while. It seemed like they were here all the time, like uh, them and Corrosion of Conformity. Like, I like if you went, love that band so much. Yeah. I love Coc. Love them. Yeah, for a while it seemed like every like if I went to like you know a big heavy show in Cleveland, it was like they were they were on the bill. Did you like Coc or was it just not your lane? I didn't really get into. I didn't dislike them. I just didn't really. It wasn't what I gravitated towards. Yeah. You know, but like I, I think um, I think I saw them open for. Now I can't remember if it was Danzig or if it was Guar or something. There was, was there Danzig. Was, okay, and was they Danzig. Yeah, and they I thought they fucking crushed it, but it was yeah. just like it just wasn't. Um, you know, it just wasn't what I was into that much. What uh, what punk bands, what punk and hardcore bands do you normally gravitate to? Well, see, a lot of the hardcore bands just irritated me because you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't like listening to like fifteen year olds preach at me. So yeah, <laughs> so by the time, but I, I did like a, well, I guess some of the stuff I, I thought I considered them more skate rock, but like Gangrene and. Uh, yeah, Gang Green, Gang Green was a hardcore band though. Their early yeah. stuff is totally in line with like SSD Control and Minor Threat and yeah. just really fast versions of that. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, see, like one of my entry points into the cesspool of punk rock was like skateboarding. So like the bands that were associated with the like you'd see them in like Flipside or Thrasher. Um, I didn't really. I I don't know. I I considered it different than the other punk bands. You know, like the California thing seemed a lot different to me. But I wasn't. I don't know. I just didn't really. Never really got into hardcore that much. You know. Yeah. yeah. There is a certain amount of, at least with not all hardcore bands, but with a lot of there's a certain amount of tunelessness that i think a lot of people have a hard time getting into you know yeah and and you're not wrong about the 15 year olds because what was it there's this meme that i saw it's been a while i think it's a couple years old now where it said i wish i'd never gotten into punk rock because now i have to be friends with some guy because we like the same record that was written (laughs) in 1982 by a 15 year old (laughs) (laughs) And the same can be said for hardcore, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, sometimes that's all you got, though. <laughs> yeah. So you you mentioned the LA bands. Like, what LA bands were you into? Um, wasn't even really that I was into them. It was just like I I thought of it as two separate things. I didn't see it all as being like under this one big umbrella, you know. Yeah. I, I was gonna slag on one band, but I'm not going to. So no, no, no. Go ahead. Let me no, no, no. Let's have it. Let's have they're, it. They're not from LA. They're not from California anyway. They're, well, but you, but you can't say that and then just expect <laughs> me to let it go. No, <laughs> go, no, no. Not do it. Mind. No. Are, is are you are are you fear afraid of some type of reprisal? <laughs> I is, fear no man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you are big as fuck, dude. I mean, how tall are you? A six two. <laughs> that's that's pretty big. That's a big guy. You know. <laughs> Come on, give it up. No, no, it doesn't matter. It, it would just be bitterness. Well, none of it matters. I mean, you're on my fucking <laughs> podcast. You think it matters? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know if you know, but nobody's going to listen to a drummer. So, uh, please. <laughs> um, anyway, since you're not going to uh, entertain my uh, audience, there's everybody right now that's listening to this is on the edge of their seats, just waiting for you to spill the beans. I don't think so. Uh, you're like, you're like a selfish lover. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna clap those cheeks and take a nap. <laughs> so how long were you in Zen Love Assassins? Um I think that was about four and a half years. I I believe we started in 88. And I, I think, yeah, and I think we um broke up early in 93. So yeah, okay. Because like Logan moved to Atlanta, um, you know, Lyot or uh, Linda, our bass player, um, had just had a baby, and we had Brian Harvey playing bass. Mm-hmm. Like Lin- Linda's Jim Millar's wife, and they're in Peep together. And I still I still hang out with those guys. And we might actually now this is top secret. We we're gonna figure out a way. Do you to, mean to edit this part out? Uh, no, nobody will listen because I'm a drummer. So, oh, you know, people, people are going to go, oh, fuck that guy. But um, we're going to figure out a way to like re-record some of the Zen Love stuff that, because um, we used to do a lot of, I mean, we did stuff at uh, at Mars with Bill Karecki, but mm-hmm. um, most, we did a lot of like home recording, you know, like four track stuff. Yeah. And we're going to try and figure out, you know, replacing you know logan died in 2014 so we we have to figure out what we're going to do as far as the vocalist yeah so we're we're in top secret negotiations that benefit show was that around the time you started playing in tufted puffins or like because i that was later that year because i i had sleazy uh, jesus played the show right and then that got you know baker excited about playing again and you know, I had been out of a, I was in another band that I don't even want to talk about, but um, uh, it had been a couple years since I had been in a band and I was, you know, I wanted to do something again. So um, we, we started playing later that year because I had back surgery in the middle of the year. So I don't think we started practicing till like August of 2014 and uh how so, did dutch did so how did dutch babies come about then you just jeff hit you up or? Uh, well so they had um they hadn't played since 2019 you know because of the, the plague right. and then um they kind of they wanted to reform the band with a, a different drummer and i had you know i had told jeff before you know if he if he needed a drummer for something, I was down, you know. And um, I don't remember if I had specifically said something about Dutch Babies, but he he got a hold of me last year. Like, oh, I had asked him help me drive on a long trip, and we started talking about you know what what he had going on, and he asked if I'd be interested in playing with Dutch Babies, and I was like, hell yeah, because I don't know, like Gina's a fucking force, you know, like she was in the Heathers and, mm-hmm. and I love Dutch babies. Like I was, 
just a fan of the band anyway.
I think we talked about it in August. We had a practice like around Halloween or something, but then it was time for him to do mistletoe. So, um, you know, everything kind of goes on hold while he's doing that because, you know, they play a lot of shows and they're actually making money. A lot so, of shows. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, go ahead and do your thing. Plus the plague had had popped back up, you know, like people were popping up sick all over the place. So yeah. Um, it's just like, well, we'll we'll wait to to get everybody together and practice. And we, you know, so we had the one in October and then a couple of months ago, um, I think we had had one practice and I went, I went to Jilly's and I mentioned that, you know, I was playing with those, those guys and they, they had played uh, Terry Walker's benefit at, at Jilly's and, you know, Terry she Walker of Bizarro's, right? Right. Um, so yeah, after he died, they, there was like a, uh, a show, like the benefits went for his funeral expenses and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, so I had mentioned to her that, you know, I had started, just started playing with, with Dutch babies and she loved them. And she's like, would you guys want to play? <laughs> it was like, well, yeah. So of course I book, we you know, book a show before we've got everything nailed, <laughs> nailed down, yeah. but it, it went great. You know, we, we, uh, it was, it was stressful right up to, to doing it, but, um, you know, we, we played tight and it rocked and we're, we're playing this Friday at, uh, at the five o'clock lounge up in, uh, up in Lakewood. And How's that venue? I've never been there yet. I don't go up there a lot, but, um, I like it. It's got like a cool, like if you were going to have a Dean Martin movie, I, I, I like the front bar, you know, it's like, it's kind of cheesy, cool, you know? Yeah. And then, and then they have a big room in the back, um, Wait, the is band, this on the band's what street? What road is that on? I forget if it's, is it Lakewood or Madison? I, I would have to check to see. Um, I forget what street it's on. But but the bar, the bar up front's narrow, right? Like it's it's long, it's a shotgun style, correct? And then the room yeah, opens kinda. up. I think, yeah. I think I have been there. I think I okay. have been there. I'm getting it mixed up with, um, what's the other place up there that I keep hearing a lot of stuff about? The Winchester. People are oh. playing the Winchester lot. So I, I, yeah, I know I've been to the five o'clock lounge. I keep getting them mixed up for some reason. Yeah, the Winchesters got a great room. They got a great PA. Yeah, back there. We're, we opened for Green Green Jello there. Oh God, how was that? It, it was fucking awesome. The <laughs> difference between a metal show and a punk rock show is that the metal kids don't care if anybody sees them having fun and they were fucking went off. Like <laughs> they were jumping around and uh, it was like the most animated crowd I think I've ever played in front of, you know, instead of everyone kind of standing, you know, with their arms crossed and trying to look not too excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't, can't lose your cool in a punk rock show.
circle back around to Dillard's because I've got some really cool stories to tell about Dillard's. Um, I wonder where this is heading. All right. Well, I mean, it could go a couple <laughs> places. I mean, there were, I actually, I have a weird Dillard's connection to make with that place in my later life when Nikki and I eventually moved to Canton for a short minute. All right. Um, it involves Susan who worked oh, yeah. in uh what was that department called charlotte ran it charlotte and the dude's oh, name was gary right merchandising yeah, yeah merchandising so yeah. susan works in merchandising and i know she was in those movies those jared bookwalter movies right okay so i'll, I'll get to that in a second <laughs> so Gary makes mistake of hiring all of us wild ass punk rocker hardcore kids and, and <laughs> stuff right and you had i don't know why you you quit you told me once what what happened there you just were done well i had you know i had just gotten married and i needed to upgrade all of my job situations like i still had still ended up with two jobs but just two better paying jobs yeah so i had compared notes with a couple of the cashiers that were leaving around the same time and they were getting paid their uh you know, whatever time they had saved from sick time and vacation time, they were getting it paid out. Mm -hmm. So when I told them I was leaving and I gave them, you know, it was like a month or something, you know, I gave, gave them more than, you know, definitely more than two weeks. And I had, uh, you know, asked about getting that. So this was not Gary, this was Mr. Good, you know, the store manager. Yeah. He was Um, the, uh, operations manager and there was a gal above him actually oh yeah um what was her name elizabeth or something i can't remember we 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 always only ever dealt with mr good right yeah gruff old navy guy dude was like 60 or something at that point yeah and i I liked him and and we got along really well but um, (laughs) but he he said he couldn't pay me out on the uh thing because it was it was like store policy and it was like well these other guys get are getting paid you know yeah and he's you know he said well that was kind of discretionary and you know we just can't pay you you know because i could i could never afford to be sick so i had like you know a couple weeks of sick time stacked up and uh, and all my vacation time so there would have been a couple you know a few more hundred dollars <laughs> So, so after he told you that, how long was it before you came to me with this scheme you concocted? Well, you know, 
not that I'm petty or hold a grudge, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I ruminated on it for a few weeks, like what I was going to do, you know, and then, uh, then the mouse idea popped up and, uh, so, you know, you have to consider I was pretty irritated if I'm going to spend 50 or, you know, 30 or $50 buying mice. But, um, I decided I was going to release a bunch of those, uh, feeder mice that, because there was a pet store down in Fairlawn Plaza and, uh, they had these aquariums full of mice where, you know, that heavy metal dudes would, <laughs> would feed to their, their boa constrictors. So these mice, I considered myself doing a good deed because these mice were on death row. They had no hope. They, they were either going to die in that aquarium or somebody was going to feed it to their boa constrictor Thor. And uh, so I, and they were like, I don't know, they were like three for a dollar or four for a dollar. I got quite a lot of mice for it was it was a lot it was, <laughs> i remember you're like i'm like how many are you gonna get and you're like as many as like i don't know you're yeah. like i don't know i'm gonna get a bunch of them though because this is you know you were just i could i could see you you're like you were just thinking about what was going on and you were almost like vibrating you were still kind of mad you're like i'm just gonna get these fucking mice dude and like <laughs> how you smuggled them into the store though that part i don't remember they gave them to us in this box it was like a you know like if you go to mcdonald's and you get one of those burger bundle things or something yeah so so it was kind of a box like that but taller and it had you know had little air holes i don't know what they normally send home and and like maybe it was a box for kittens or something i don't know but um so we just carried the box in and Eric was actually carrying the box and we stopped at Lisa Moran's counter 
um, I forget which department. I think maybe she was in jewelry or something. But no, we were, she was she was in cosmetics. She was in she was not the Lancome counter, but the one next to that one. All right. But yeah, we stopped to talk to her for a minute because I think Eric was kind of sweet on her, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> but we were standing there talking and. You know, she didn't know what was in the box. We're just like loitering. And at one point, like she's kind of looking. And I think one of the mice had, I don't know if it got all the way out of the box, <laughs> but it was, it was working on it, you know, and it was like, oh, we got to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> What part of the we, store did you release them in? We, that, so you know how there was that long hallway? That, that back hallway that went from, it went from the, the break room. Right. To the dock. You the pass dock. by merchandising. Right. And you could also get to the offices that way. Yeah. And there was one of the rooms that was behind, there was like a sliding fire door was where they stashed all the Christmas trees, all the Christmas decorations. Yep. And I think that back hallway was also how you got to the third floor without taking the elevator. Well, you could take that freight elevator. Yeah. Right. But that's what I meant. You, you normally took the freight elevator up, but I think that there was a stairwell back there too. Oh, well, I was probably too lazy to ever take the stairs. Well, I only know that because Joe <laughs> used to sleep in the stairwell. Oh, God. During work. He would, <laughs> he'd be up all night the night before doing Coke or whatever he was fucking doing. He'd show up to work next to like, and he'd help work for a little bit. And then he'd disappear for two hours. He'd be asleep in the stairwell and he would prop a chair against the door so nobody could open it. Oh, nice. <laughs> and carried you on the PA going, Joe. Joe. <laughs> so, so what I ended up doing was like going into that room and I had also bought, you know, like a 10 pound bag of bird seed, put that down, released all of these mice. Cause I knew nobody was going into that room for a while. So they would have time to set up a base camp, you know? So now they had a chance to live. It was just, you know, the mice's wit versus corporate wit <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i was cheering for the mice dude i was i was all in on that you know i went <laughs> to the pet store with you and everything but then weeks later i was like a mouse fuck. patrol yes i was fucking <laughs> pissed i was like but i i kind of i i told gary i said i said man i'm not gonna chase mice around all fucking day I mean, it's just not going to happen. And Gary's like, I don't know where they came from, but it's there's an infestation like that. And it was just, you know, it was it was bad. It was real fucking bad. People were like, anyone- I, I, I think that they definitely they had to hire somebody. Like they wanted, they tried to be cheap about it first and make us do it. Right. Like set up traps and that whole fucking thing. And because you know we were fucking late teens early 20s and they're like you guys you know we just figured that's just what we did they we did what they told us to do but yeah. then eventually it was just like why are we doing this so they they eventually <laughs> end up hiring somebody so that was my whole hope like even now i hope that there are generations of mice that are descendants of that that first release they have a there's, little sh- little shrine to me and they you know they there's 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 gotta be there's gotta be <laughs> Yeah, yeah I don't, I, that that was like it was one of my favorite jobs. I didn't get paid shit. Nikki right. hated Nikki hated that I worked there because we'd go in so fucking early, 
Yeah. Like real goddamn. Like what was the earliest we'd go in? What five? I think, yeah, it was like five, five, five thirty. I think I'd get home mid afternoon and uh, I'd sleep because I was so fucking tired. And her work schedule was different, and we didn't really see each other as much as we wanted to because one of us was sleeping at one point, you know? Yeah. So she, she hated, and I wasn't making anything, you know, cause I didn't know what the fuck I was doing in my life. I was working right. shipping dock and playing in a hardcore band. You well, know? yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but I mean, as far as fun goes, fun job, yeah, fun sure. fucking job. I don't mind the guys dancing with my girl. How could you ever forget Louie? Well, he he cracked me up. Like, uh, I tell people this story about him, and a couple stories about him. You know, he used to be a dance instructor and he was real light on his feet. He would do like a little two step shuffle thing. Right. And you could tell that he had danced in his younger days. And he had to be what, 
60. Oh, he was, he was older than that. He was like, I don't know. He had the, he had the blackest hair of anybody who wasn't in Motley Crue, which just, (laughs) which just cracked me up. Well, he, you could see, you could see the dye stains around his hairline when he right. did his hair and he would do his eyebrows too. And you could see the dye stains around his eyebrows, but and he was a sweetheart of a guy. I loved him. Yeah. But there was one thing he was so old that he still thought professional wrestling was real. Like he, he, he did not believe it was a work. Like one time I was talking about wrestling is, Oh, so-and-so it's a work. And he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, wrestling's fake. He goes, it's not fake. Like you could not, he would argue with you. <laughs> you know, guy was, uh, I don't know, but I remember, uh, like a lot of the, uh, the chit chat amongst the ladies, because apparently, uh, L- Louis had like a badger in his pants, you know, and, and once it was pointed out to you, it was like, just keep, there's no fucking way. Get away from it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he missed his calling, you know, if he should have been doing porn apparently. All right, man. <laughs> Are we good? <laughs> We're probably not good, but probably <laughs> close to done. All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. I want to thank Mark for hanging out. It's always a great time talking with Mark. Love him to death. Uh, awesome dude. One of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, but if any of you want to talk to me, you can do so uh, through social media. Facebook at Bleachmouth Postscript. Instagram at Bleachmouth underscore Postscript. And uh, the email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. All of the past episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts as well as the website bleachmouth.mkultrazine.com uh let's see there's some other things that i might want to let you know about uh my band uh kolchak just uh dropped as the kids say uh our first ep you can hear that at kolchakakron.bandcamp.com it's K-O-L-C-H-A-K-A-K-R-O-N.bandcamp.com, coldjackakron.bandcamp.com. Um, you can listen to that. It's uh, it's pretty intense, I guess. Yeah, that's what I could say about it. It's intense. I, I like it. Uh, maybe you will too if you do. Um, please uh, let me know and uh, share it. Um, oh, speaking of sharing, uh, go ahead and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well as uh, sharing this podcast with your friends. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, that's it. That's all I got. I've got a bunch of other interviews that are already finished. I'm in the editing process. I'm going to try to get them out as quickly as possible. My goal is still two episodes per month, but I might have a few more up uh, much sooner and much more quickly since it is summertime but anyway thanks for listening and uh we'll see you on the other side Yeah.
look at me. 